Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 41, and we're doing chapters 65 through 69 of Words of Radiance. We have Kaladin getting out of prison uh, this this week. We have Adolin staying in prison with him and some of the ramifications of that. We have some interesting banter between a couple different of our main characters. We have Shallan and Kaladin banter. We have Kaladin and Adolin banter. We've got some we've got some good conversations to talk about this week before we uh, fall into the chasms later. Anyway, Elliot, uh, do you have two words to summarize this episode? As always, my my two words this week go together. Uh, my two out of chapters was moral character moral character okay and paul do you two words i do and mine also go together i have dire circumstances dire circumstances and moral character okay let's use these words and talk about episode 41 All right, Elliot, I will bounce it back to you. You can, uh, how are you doing? And you can tell me a little bit more about your two words. I, I'm doing well. Things are getting adrenaline pumping here in uh, in Words of Radiance. I feel like we're really getting to the the climax, or at least it feels that way. We'll, we'll see where, where it goes after this, but excited for, for these chapters, for what we've been reading lately. Moral character... Mainly, honestly, I, I because of because of Adolin, I was really, really impressed by by his moral character here in this chapter when he decides to voluntarily put himself in jail alongside Kaladin. Like I did not expect that at all, and it was kind of like a, a whoa, that's super honorable, and and I thought that was that was awesome. But I think there's a few other things in these chapters that reveal some of our characters moral character as well i think kaladin has a point in these chapters where he agrees to help moash uh, assassinate elokar um i think that dalinar's moral character uh again in this chapter when when he realizes that versions of his visions are are getting out there to the public and i think he responds pretty well to that yeah a lot of a lot of testing of moral character some characters doing better with it than others yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, Paul, tell me about your two words. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. Um, so my two words are dire circumstances, and most of what I meant with this, um, they don't go together that well, but it is kind of like a a play there. So dire is mostly uh, pointing at Kaladin in, in the later chapters here, um, and his weakening bond with Syl that we kind of start to learn about um, and his his uh, surge binding powers there. It seems to be in a dire situation, I guess. And that's the main reason. Um, with circumstances, it's mostly with we see that Kaladin and Shalon kind of end up together 
together, which I think is kind of ironic and funny. Um, and also with Adolin staying in the cell with Kaladin and all of Kaladin's interactions there with Wynn and all the stuff there, I think is just kind of funny circumstances. So that's why I went with that. Gotcha. I'm just looking at our outline and it's kind of dawning on me that we have a very, we have a very turbulent episode this, this week. We're, we're going to start with chapter 65, which is pretty depressing. And then 66 and 67 are going to feel pretty good. And then we're going to go back down and we're going to have troubles with Syl. But we'll, we'll get to all that here in a second. Uh, we can start with chapter 65. Chapter 65 is a Shalon flashback chapter. And it's, it's, it's a few moments after our last Shalon flashback chapter. It's the same day and Shalon has decided that uh, Balat needs to leave. Uh, before she was trying to convince him not to, they need to stay, they need to not give up on father. But then uh, her father beats uh Melise, uh who is his wife his Shalon's mother-in-law and Shalon says okay that's enough where you need to uh you y- you need to leave take Melise with you and you need to run did e- either of you catch anything from this chapter it's a it's a pretty short chapter in comparison to the rest of our content this this week but we can touch on it for a bit it is pretty short. Um, I mean, my major takeaways, I think I said this some in our last episode about how just like despisable Shalon's dad is. And this is a very big reason why um, just his like physical like abuse of people, even his wife here, is just very disheartening and difficult. So, um, yeah, that, that's the main takeaway here is just how bad it is uh, and that Balot and Melise and people need to like just get out and run away. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really pick up on anything too new here in this in this chapter. It, it seems like it's just kind of reinforcing a lot of, of already new, you know, we know that Shalon has something hidden in her father's room in that safe behind the, the painting. We know that her father's a terrible person. We get some more evidence of that, like you're talking about, Paul. Yeah, the only, honestly, they took note of here is that they decide that they're going to try and get away, or at least Balat is going to try and, and get away. But yeah, just more, more evidence to back up a lot of our already conceived notions. Yeah, we get a couple weird references to the the bright light behind the painting that Shlon's obsessed with in that room. And she goes into the room for the first time since she doesn't say it, but what we're assuming the day her mother died. Um it's it's pretty pretty clear there that it's the first time she's been in here since then. Um so she does want to rescue uh Melise because she walks in there and Melissa's arm is broken. Like Lindavar has uh, beat her 
and it's like it's terrible and shallan's it's in reference to a couple um messages or sorry uh a conversation between kaladin and shallan later that uh kaladin is accusing shallan of not being able to be sympathetic to people who are hurting and shallan's like no 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 well (laughs) but we'll get there if only you knew yeah chapter 66 before we really dive in to this chapter shout out to the youtube channel man carrying thing he is very funny and he came out with a skit about about this this chapter a couple weeks ago and it was just in time for for me to show paul and elliot this video because it's like a this minute skit of uh adolin and kaladin going back and forth in this chapter i thought it was really funny so shout out to him and i'll leave a link to his channel in the description if, uh, on youtube what what was the premise right if, if kaladin was a 90s sitcom yeah mm-hmm. it was it was pretty funny i laughed <laughs> it was really good all right so kaladin gets set up uh, set free um from his from his jail time for defending Adolin in the duel and char- uh, challenging Amaram afterwards. And we learn pretty quickly in this chapter that Adolin has locked himself away with Kaladin um, in, a, in a different cell. And he's been there for as long as Kaladin's been there. Uh, any, either of you want to pick this up? My, I gotta say, I, I touched on this earlier. My respect for Adolin, which was already fairly high, j- just shot quite a ways up. Like sometimes it seems like Adolin's flaw is that he doesn't care sometimes about those around him. We we know that he has pretty honorable intentions. We know that he's a good guy, but this this took him from good guy to like, wow, that was really meaningful. What he what he just did there. So I was. Thedolin. He he just shot up the ranks quite a bit in my esteem for him. It was very cool. I feel like I wasn't as impacted by it as maybe I should have been. Not that it wasn't cool or anything, but just like I don't know. I don't fully it, it was I think the best thing accomplished by it was it kind of helped him in Kaladin's eyes to respect him? Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like if he didn't have to go to prison, like he just went. But it, it does help him a lot with Kaladin, which is incredibly important for a story. Um, so I'm not going to discount it at all, but I guess it wasn't. I don't know. It's it talks about how he basically wasn't doing it for recognition, but it felt like he was doing it for rec- like <laughs> for recognition still. Right. In a little bit. Like I feel like he can't do it not for recognition in some way. Kind of. Anyways. Kind of playing devil's I, advocate a little bit. I, I definitely hear you. There were there was definitely some elements there and and, and Kaladin was, you know bantering with him a little bit pointing out like wait you still got baths here in 
Dale, and right. it all comes back. Well, the water was cold. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in proper Adolin fashion, he's wearing cologne when he walks out of his, his prison yeah. cell, and Callan's like, yeah. wait a minute. He's like, I'm not a savage. Like, right. of course I'm wearing cologne. I think, what do you mean? But, but Paul, I think it does go a long way to not just raise Adolin maybe in, in our sights, but in Kaladin's. I think this earns a lot of respect with Kaladin to the point where Kaladin even apologizes to him for the way that he acts. And I, I felt like this was actually a really big step for Kaladin right here to put aside his hatred. And I don't use that word lightly, hatred for light eyes and to apologize to Adolin and say, Hey, I, I, I messed up our chance. I, I did the wrong thing. Like that is, that's is huge. I, I feel like this is a big moment in, in Adolin and, and Kaladin's friend. Maybe this is like the moment where you could call it friendship, you know, at this point going forward. So I, I totally agree. I think this is big for the, the story. So this next thing that Adolin does is that, is this for uh showmanship, if you will, Paul, when he offers Kaladin full plate and blade uh, coming right out of the, coming right out of the prison cell here. I don't think so. I mean, I I thought that was really cool. I I was a big fan of that moment. Um, But also, it was almost like, who else is he going to get it to? I feel like they don't have many other allies at this point. That's fair. Um, And and, and Kaladin has definitely proved himself here. Like, it it is cool because Adolin does have a great deal of respect for Kaladin now because he kind of saved his life. Um, and stuff and so seeing him offer that was really cool i that whole situation was interesting because like just how Kaladin refuses it and it's like no 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 like give it to moash and adolin's like wait no what what (laughs) you don't want this and stuff was kind of funny um just kind of the character dynamics there and it almost showed a little bit of how little they know about each other they they know a lot about each other but also very little which i think is kind of interesting and i kind of like it um they're both starting to like respect each other but they've both kind of been going off of each other's assumptions like Kaladin always has this alien's a light eyes prince like he's doing his you know pompous thing and almost vice versa I feel like Adolin doesn't think about Kaladin that much. Um, but he's just like bodyguard, like gruff guy. Like, of course he wants a shard, but I mean, everyone does. So that's kind of unfair, but right. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting dynamic there, but I feel like that's kind of a major Kaladin trait. Kind of. If if you've like spent time with him in training and stuff, like he won't touch a shard blade and things like that. Um, but yeah, also I've been dying to ask on your poster, Trevor, is that Moash with his shard blade? It is. So this is actually the last spoiler on this poster. Is Moash okay. right here? He actually has a shard blade, and everybody else has spears. So mm-hmm. uh... it's what I've been thinking about for so long, and. <laughs> it was part it really was not the reason it came up with it but that was part of the reason i was like yeah moish has a shard blade like it was kind of alluded to mm. in the past that he couldn't have one but right but we never found that 
Um, but he gets one, so yeah. Um, it's kind of incredible. It, initially in this scene, I was really frustrated with Kaladin. I was like, it, we've seen what Kaladin can do with his surge binding abilities, and he just seems like he's meant to have a shard blade. It just feels like that's like the missing piece a knight's radiant like that's what's left and so i just really wanted kaladin to you know take the blade become a knight radiant you know embrace all of that and just it felt like this could have been the moment and so when he you know won't even touch it and gives it to, to moash it was like oh almost but mm-hmm. as i think about it more i kind of wonder if maybe all that is for the better i mean we've seen before when kaladin touched the shard blade that he heard that screaming in the duel and so i i kind of wonder if if maybe him taking this blade or, or touching it would that would happen again i maybe Kaladin can't even wield shard blades because of that and, and so i wonder if him not accepting this is actually for the better even though i feel like windrunner Kaladin with a shard blade would be you know an unstoppable force that would be awesome maybe it really wouldn't work that way and this is actually the better path He didn't touch this shard blade, so we don't know if it'll it'll scream at him like the other one right. did. So, but I'm very nervous that Moash is now the one with the, the shard blade. I mean, I've given the the last few encounters we've had with him and his plans that we know of to oh, I don't know, assassinate Elokar, which Kaladin knows full well at this point and is you know handing him a very powerful tool perhaps in getting that done so i'm a little nervous now what moash is going to go do with this show, but yeah we'll see yeah i have to say so from my understanding of the abridgment um moash seems to be like the most like maybe the best fighter out of them. Well, we've seen a lot of stuff from Rock, so yeah. I kind of want to say him, but like trained soldier right. type, it seems like it'd be Moash. Um, and it even talks about how good he was with the shard blade training. Yep. Um, so it makes a lot of sense, but I still just can't trust Moash yet. He seems so way too caught up in like his own desires and things like that right but we do see a lot of that here like how much reverence he has for kaladin because of it he's not just like oh i got this shard blade like a haha sucker like i'm gonna run off like he he's still very like reverent and loyal to kaladin right uh which which i really liked but, but like you said elliot like we know he wants to assassinate alakar kaladin knows that kaladin's even kind of agreed to it with them at this point like yeah i'll, I'll help like I don't like him, so. We'll get to it here in a second. Uh, we'll get to it here in a second in chapter 68, but when when Adolin and Kaladin are talking about the Shard Blade uh, later and Kaladin's saying, oh, just give it to give it to Moash, that way there'll be three of us that can fight uh, fight Zeth when he comes back instead of, instead of two. And mm-hmm. Adolin says, "Oh yeah, because you don't need a shard blade because of the 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 thing with the with the stuff." And Kaladin, Kaladin's like, "What? You know the the stuff with the the mm-hmm. the things?" And he's just trying to fish for whatever 
he he's suspicious of Kaladin. He doesn't know what is happening, but he he thinks Kaladin is crazy or has some sort of superpowers or something. He's just trying to fish for some sort of information, and Adolin's really bad at it, and it's really funny. Any more with chapter 66 before we go into chapter 67? Just that the chapter ends with Kaladin like actually agreeing to help Moash assassinate Elokar. Yeah. Again, that was another a lot of big moments in this chapter, actually. I felt like that was another moment that was like, uh oh, now what? Right. We've talked before about whether we we thought, you know, Kaladin should or should not help Moash and I, I'm certainly very firmly on the side of I think that is a terrible decision for and he's he seems to be going seems to be going all in on on that path. We'll talk about it more here in a, here in a little bit with the uh consequence it has to do with Sill um in the next couple chapters. But um chapter sixty seven Dalinar and Navani are attending a feast uh, held by Elokar and almost immediately upon them showing up everybody is just snickering like behind their behind their sleeves and laughing at, at Dalinar as he's walking through and it's he's he's kind of used to this at this point he hasn't been very favored in the Alethi court for a while now but it's way more obvious uh, at this feast and it's because Sadius has published all of Dalinar's visions but he has doctored them to where it sounds like Navani is like making fun of him the entire time or calling him insane the entire time um, while making commentary on these visions. And so Dalinar chooses to uh, embrace this instead of run from it in front of the entire court. And that gives him an interesting reaction from a couple different people. Do you, do either of you guys want to pick this up? The first the interesting scenario. This is an interesting move for Sadius. For, first off, I'm I'm very curious how how Sadius got a hold of these documents. I don't think it, it explains that or, or gives us any hints towards that. That there's probably hints in there that I just didn't see. But I'm I'm very curious about that. We know that Sadius has a network of spies, so I'm assuming it's one of those spies that just you know snuck in and and got a a hold of them, but yeah, this is an interesting tactic to try and make Dalinar look like a fool. And as I mentioned with kind of my intro words, I think Dalinar responds to this really well, actually. He, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get super offended. He doesn't get super hurt. He doesn't, he doesn't let it get to him. He just, he just embraces it. He just stands up to it and says, yeah, you're right. I have been having visions and that probably was the best possible reaction to this. I think when, when his character has been questioned here, he's been, they're trying to make fun of him. Just, just embrace it and, and say, yep, you're right. That is what I am. Very true. It, it was very, I would say it's very true to Delinar's character to have something like this happen and be okay with it or as okay as you can be. Like not letting it get under his skin. Honestly, from what we've seen so far in in the Way of Kings and Words of Radiance, looking at a 
character standpoint, like character traits, I think Delinor is my favorite because of stuff like this. Like how he kind of gets berated nonstop, like borderline persecuted, like doubted for what he stands for and things like that and how he thinks things should be. And he just, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing it. Like I'm going to keep doing what is right. Right. And I think that's a really stand up character trait. So I, I do really like Dalinar and that's my biggest takeaway from this chapter. Um, that, and also he had a really fun or pretty fun conversation with wit as usual. Um, but yeah, this chapter was pretty general, I guess. Like nothing crazy happens, but this is like it's kind of sad to see that with a basically slandering Dalinar, kind of dragging him through the mud, making him trying to make him look bad. You know, it's always sad, but he handles it well. There's a very specific question that happens towards the end of this chapter. And it, this is after the feast. Dalinar has made his rounds. He's talked to the high princes that are there. He's saying, yes, I've been seeing these visions. Yes, I want to do something about the Parshendi. Please join me. And uh, Wit is like the last one at the feast. All the master servants are taking all the seers out. They're packing up the tents, that type of thing. And Wit's, Wit and Dalinar are kind of the last two there. And Dalinar turns to Wit and and asks him, "Am I a tyrant?" And and Wit looks and turns to him and looks at him, and says, "Yes, yes, Dalinar, you are." Elliot, I'm curious to hear you what your thoughts on this um, were. We we don't know too much about Dalinar's past and how he got to be where he is at the moment. But I'm curious what your reactions were to to this uh, response from Wit. I like this question. I like this thought of Dalinar you know, trying to process this and realizing that maybe he's acting a bit tyrannical, if you will. And I, I love I, I love looking into leadership. I like I like you know analyzing how just go about their their way and how they how they lead their followers and Dalinar is a great little study case for that but I agree I agree with Wit's take on this I think that the actions Dalinar is taking are in a way the actions of, of a tyrant I think he's taking things into his own hand you know going going kind of maybe not necessarily outside the law but kind of above and beyond the law to say I know this is right I'm make all of you do it and i'm not gonna it's not a democracy it's not a vote you don't get a say in this i'm gonna tell you this is the right thing to do and i'm gonna enforce and make you do it Th that is the description of you know a dictator or or a tyrant and right i that there's the struggle and i really hope we get to dive into this more in in dalnar's book the next one is is he justified in doing what he's doing if your cause is right and good does that justify forcing other people to follow you right that's a really interesting question that did i definitely feel like we don't have enough to you know answer that for for down but i hope we get to wrestle with that more in 
in Oathbringer. But I think Dalinar is starting to struggle with it a bit himself and realizing, do I have the right to force everyone to do what I'm telling them to do, even though I know it's the right thing to do? Wit has a line a little bit later that says, uh, if we had met in different times, I, I probably would have called you out for what you're doing. But because because you have the circumstances that you're you have in front of you, you you're probably what the world needs is a benevolent tyrant is what he he calls him so yeah there, there's some interesting interesting questions there as far as leadership and forcing other people to do what's right even though they don't want to type of type thing very true if I I talked about how much I like Delinar and I definitely stand by it but if I if I was just a citizen here looking up to Delinar, I feel like I just would not be a fan of him. Like, because it is very much like this is the one thing we're doing. You don't really get to say, like, right. Sorry, but from our reader's perspective, knowing what he's seen, what he's been through, a little bit of it at least, I think he's a really stand up guy. So I guess that's all about perspective. Elliot, you said in the your in the outline here that you have a new Dalinar theory. Do you want to you want to talk about that a little bit, or did you already talk about that a little bit? No, no. So i I have a new Dalinar theory, and it's not it's not honestly super related to what's going on in in this chapter. It's a little bit kind of a side note, but but now is probably the best time to talk about it. Honestly, I, I even I thought of this. I think as I was just reading a Kaladin chapter, it just kind of like wait a second. What if, let me back up. So Shalon and Wright are our two best examples of surge binders or budding knights radiant. And we've kind of seen their journeys, how they got from being normal people to being where they are now. And something that happened with both of them is their abilities, you know, tied to their surge bindery they manifest themselves before the person really knows what they're doing, right? right. It, it takes them a little ways to figure out, whoa, I'm wielding powers. And so, you know, this happened with Kaladin. This happened with Shalon. We're not quite sure maybe how it happened with Shalon. We're still figuring that out. But we know that pattern before Shalon realized that he was around. Anyway, all that to say, what if Dalinar's vision are an early manifestation of a surge binding power associated with a, another order of what if that ability for him to receive these messages from the almighty is somehow like an early of one of those surge powers that he might be able to develop in the future of this of course are obvious that that maybe this is the early signs of him becoming a surge binder that he's got a spread who's watching him and hanging out with him and he just spread yet and and maybe he's you know growing into becoming a a knight of a of another order of the the knights radiant all a bit of a crazy theory not much evidence or anything to point to that but i was just kind of thinking about the visions and realizing that they're rather mystical and magical and kind of like a hmm what if 
I think I don't even think it's as far fetched as maybe you're describing it, Elliot, because there's so much like unnatural stuff or supernatural things going on with Eleanor that at least that's one of the easiest ways to explain it. Yeah. It could be like we've we've talked about Zeth, is he some like anomaly? It could be that with Delinar, but I, I'm I'm kind of in the boat that he's some form of Knights Radiant or will be, um, because there's like all the stuff with his visions and then just random things that are just kind of supernatural, like he can't remember his wife at all oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. can't hear like we never hear her name, like he just hears like static, like really kind of bizarre things like that. That I think there's got to be a spren in play somehow. There's also something surrounding Dalinar are the the scratches on the walls and on the floor and stuff. Sometimes they line up with his visions, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes he's there, and we're assuming that it's Dalinar writing them, and sometimes it doesn't appear that it could have been Dalinar, so maybe there's something else weird going on there. Maybe that could be his spread. Maybe there, maybe there is a spread that he's beginning to bond with. That's kind of hanging around and, and watching him. Maybe that's that spread trying to communicate with him. Right. the The number one thing I want to look for to maybe confirm this is we know that both Shalon and Kaladin's powers, and actually another example we got recently was Lift with with her powers. It requires stormlight. Right? right every one of these powers requires stormlight and so even when they don't realize what they're doing so i need some evidence maybe of like these visions consuming somehow that would be a good you know piece of evidence for this i don't know that we've seen any hints of that yet but if we do get some kind of indication there that would be helpful my only thought on that is it hasn't all of his visions been like during a high storm correct yep yeah, so, that was the only thing that I've seen that could could indicate. Right, food for thought is high storms re- regen, restart, whatever, stormlight, and he's only getting visions during high storms. So there's mm-hmm. there's some food for thought for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that ability requires like a ridiculous amount of of stormlight, <laughs> and so it can only happen during the high storms when there's all that energy around. That could be true. So yeah, that was about uh about Dalinar. All right, any any more thoughts on sixty seven before we move on? All right, while we're on the topic of of Spren, we're going back to Sill, and Sill is behaving oddly, to say the least, and is worrying Kaladin. Kaladin is trying to use his stormlight he's having trouble he still can at this point um, but he's having trouble with it and then sill comes down and has an interesting conversation with him to do either of you remember what she's saying how she's acting here on, on the beginning of 68 so she's kaladin is noticing that she's starting to act kind of like in the way that she was before she spoke to him kind of more towards like the native windspread type 
activities. She's, you know, distracted by a Kremlin that's just kind of crawling around and she's going back to kind of the more childlike side of her that we initially saw and less the, you know, mature philosophical side of Syl that we've grown more accustomed to recently. Right. He's he's holding a sphere like close to him and trying to uh surge bind it, I guess you'd say, or whatever the verb there is. And Syl floats down and says, Oh, what is it? Like as if she doesn't like as if she doesn't know she's a windspren and is just curious that what is what is he hiding in his hand? And it's scaring Kaladin that she's acting that way. Mm-hmm. It's scaring me that she's acting that way. I I'm nervous. And trying yeah. to figure out why why exactly she's doing this. You know, it seems that they talk in the conversation about how Dalinar's now not Dalinar. Kaladin has now given his word to Moash, but also to protect Elokar as 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 the bodyguard. And so he's he's kind of promised both sides. And right. he and Syl kind of are trying to figure out like, how do we resolve this? How do I stay true to my word when I've given my word to two opposite sides of of a conflict? And maybe that's the the only reason why this is going down, or or maybe there's more to it. I'm I'm not really sure at this point. Kaladin even says, okay, fine, I'll go tell Moash that I, I'll back out. And Syl turns to him and says, no, 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 that's not enough anymore. You have to decide in your heart what's going to happen here. And like just saying you're not going to do it isn't enough anymore because you've given your word to both sides. I, I wanted to point out something. I'm In my mind... I'm comparing this moment here with Syl, who seems to be like returning back to her non-sentient ways. I'm comparing this back to what I'm now kind of considering like the height of of Kaladin and Syl's relationship. And that was the moment, if you can remember back to the, the climax of Way of Kings, where Kaladin turns back towards the plateau where Dalinar and Adolin have been stripped and left for dead by Sadius and they choose to to charge back and save him. If you remember in that scene, Syl appears life size. Right. She appears next to Kaladin full size. And I feel like that's the like the peak. That was the peak, the awesomeness of Syl was that moment right there when Kaladin was doing like the ultimate service of sacrificing his life and the lives of the men around him to go save this light-eyed general that he he hardly even knows. We've now come quite a ways from that. Kaladin has come come quite a ways down from that self-sacrifice to now he's getting wrapped up in this whole thing with Moash. Things are getting more confusing. He's kind of losing sight, maybe a bit of of what he was meant to be to be doing. And so, still still started as a windspring. She got all the way up to that point where she was, you know, full size like a like a human. Kaladin now we're almost all the way back to like windspring so we've we've been up and we're now we're coming back down yeah as a really big fan of Sylphrena I'm very sad about this at the moment 
because that means no more good sill moments for the foreseeable right. future. So um, I have faith going forward that this bond will be restored. I'm really hopeful at least. I feel like it's it has to go one way or the other. I don't think it will stay stagnant here. Like either somehow it's going to be completely broken and it's just bye-bye sill or, or it's going to be restored. And I'm definitely hoping for the restored side. Me too. <laughs> um, like in in stories and shows and movies in general, I'm kind of okay with like killing off main characters because it's kind of like, it, you know, it cuts deep and makes you feel something. But please don't take so like <laughs> anyone, anyone else, anyone, anyone right. else. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping we we still have Sil going forward. Um, I'm curious to see how it goes because that could come about in a lot of different ways. Like we said, I, I very much be- with the current state of things, I very much believe it's because like you said, Elliot Kaladin gave his word to two sides and he, he's guaranteed to not be able to uphold those. Like he cannot go all in with Moash and keep his word to Delinor and Elokar to protect he can't do both. Right. So he has to make that decision and not just for so, like for himself, I guess is my understanding. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. I'm really curious. Do you have a guess, Elliot? Do you think he's going to go through with trying to assassinate Alucard with Moash or is he going to bail? I, I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like if he does go through if he does go through with that and does help Moash for with, with Elokar, it, it seems like that might be the death knell for Syl. So I, I really you. hope he does I feel like I kind of at this point I feel like Syl's only hope is if Kaladin can turn from that, if he can somehow like progress further into his wind runneriness and figure out how to somehow get to like the next oath that he needs to to give but yeah i i want to have faith in kaladin i want to have faith in kaladin that he's not going to do it so i Mm -hmm. if you're if you if you're making me guess i'm going to guess that kaladin's going to stay true and he doesn't okay i i hoping i agree i'm also hoping for that my guess as to how things may go forward with that is i think it's going to be like the happy ending like Something he, uh, my guess is he's going to not only like protect Elkar, he's gonna like somehow convince or talk to Moash to like almost like forgive and, and move on, yeah, from that. And I think that might be his like upholding and stuff, and it'll come from like a wholesome place. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I would love to see. Please, Brandon Sanderson. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, usually I'm kind of on the defensive. Okay, whatever happens, that'll be exciting. But this, I'm like, okay, come on, like now you're invested. Yeah, I am. With with this dynamic in mind between Kaladin and Syl, do you guys remember back to one of Dalinar's visions uh, at Feverstone Keep? They call it the Recreants, and Dalinar is seeing what they now call the recreants and it's a bunch of knights radiant abandoning mankind as they say or as the foreign 
foreign church would call it, with with our knowledge that Knights Radiant have spread, and seeing this Sil Kaladin interaction, Sil's returning to, um, Sil's returning to be like more of a wind spread, based on these oaths that Kaladin can't hold up because he's given two oaths and he can't hold up both of them, um, and that's the context we have so far. Do you guys have any predictions, guesses as to? Old Knights Radiant, what happened there, uh, given this context? My initial thought is not that they somehow had conflicting uh, promises, but more just that they abandoned. Like, for example, what we're understanding, Kaladin's current objective is his, like, bodyguard duty, right? You know, keep the run they're safe um and it's kind of always been the notion of like protecting people for the most part i'm guessing that this that with the knights radiant it was just the like no i'm not doing that like not like a promise to another side or allegiance or something that conflicted but just no i'm out like no thank you that's my my guess fairly basic i agree with all that paul i think that's really good like logic through that, given the events we saw in that vision, that seems to be the most logical explanation there. It seems like they're just laying down their arms. They're choosing to walk away from being a Knight's Radiant. And that alone could be, you know, the breaking of an oath. They're choosing to not stand up for what they said they were going to. So that that seems like that could be the, the whole reason. But the epigraphs that we saw during the last part of of this book where we, I, we, we talked about this a little bit on one of our episodes, not too long ago, seemed to hint at something way more complex. And there wasn't enough detail there to tell us exactly what it was, but it sort of hints to like one order betraying the others perhaps, or some sort of like evil within the night's radiant of some kind. I think there's more to it. I think there's more to it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Pushing pe- pushing past our Sil complex um, in chapter 68, uh, Moash's eyes are in fact getting, getting lighter. He has bonded his shard blade and his shard plate, and his eyes have turned from like brown to like light tan, I think it says. And... Kaladin mentions it, and Moash kind of takes this offense at it almost, and I'm says, "Right." And Kaladin says, "Oh, your eyes are getting lighter." And Moash kind of turns to him and says, "But I'm not one of them. Like, I'm still with you, Kaladin. Like, he's making it very clear to him that, oh, I'm I'm still one of the boys. I'm still Bridge Four. I'm not one of those light eyes, you know. So, very true. And I'm I'm kind of glad to see that it happened." Because I feel like that gives us an answer. I'm just, uh, there could be some case where it's not true, but this has kind of been a question we've had. Not a major top one, but like, oh, just picking up a shard blade actually make you a lot of eyes, and it shows that it does take like a process. I think he's, this is like a week after or something. Right. Um, and they said that it would be like another full day before it was fully bonded. Um, but 
his eyes has have gotten wider, and I thought that was kind of neat. I fully expected that to be, you know, a superstition, an old old wives' tale that Moash's eyes wouldn't change, and then there'd be kind of this, okay. you know, whole thing about is he really a true shard bearer if he's still a dark eyes? But but no, it seems like it really is changing him. So apparently there is some kind of you know metaphysical bond between shard bearer and and wielder. So yeah, very magical. Which we knew shard blades were already, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, yes or no question. If Moash gets his shards removed from him, will his eyes turn back dark or are, is he a light eyes now? Wow. Interesting question. I feel like I have no basis on which to guess one way or the other. I guess I would totally completely out of the blue guess that no, they wouldn't change back. That This is a one-time transformation, but... I honestly have no idea. I I, I want to say like my gut instinct is that yes, they would change back. I was only trying to think of some other example of like someone who would have a shard blade that would have been a dark eyes beforehand, but I don't know who that would be because everyone that we've seen is like in these prince stumps that are like all light eyes, so. And I don't want to run us down a bunny trail because I know this is long already, but this actually brings up some interesting questions for me in that up until this point, I was very much assuming that the whole light eyes versus is very much just a a prejudice, you know, a, a racism, if you will, of right. they, they've just decided that light eyes are better and dark eyes are worse. And so that and then they've built this society structure. Know, based on on that the way someone might you know look at skin color and and draw you know completely incorrect things based on based on that but but now it, if a shard blade really does change the color of your eyes is there more to it than just a purely you know cosmetic difference is, is there something about having light eyes that has more magical powers to other beings or is there more to it than just you know the kind of like prejudice i was i just kind of had a i had a thought about that that's something i hadn't thought about that much earlier and i'm kind of glad you brought it up so we don't know much of a history right about light versus dark eyes right like we've kind of just assumed it was i don't know whenever humanity started some had light eyes, some had dark eyes, and it was just a thing. Right. But I'm wondering if this is kind of going out on a limb. I'm wondering if somehow whenever the Knights Radiant began, the light eyes were like descendants of the Knights Radiant. Like the Knights Radiant, they had their shards or whatever, and they were had light eyes and stuff. And then whenever like they just kept that, and then the people who didn't get that just all had dark eyes but like if that makes sense yeah like somehow i believe answer got light eyes because of that and that could kind of be like a basis like an original i guess reasoning for the difference like oh like we're blessed and have shard blades or whatever like we're superior and that's how that could have began i'm gonna be paraphrasing this because i don't have it 
in front of me, but I believe it's in the epilogue of The Way of Kings. Hoyd is kind of musing to himself outside Kolinar, and he's he's talking about it in to himself the difference between light eyes and dark eyes. And he says, oh, I've been plenty of places where they've chosen the ruling class on something way more trivial than that. But it just so happens that here it's a very good reason why the light eyes are a ruling class and the dark eyes are not. And that's all you get. Just a kind of relevant here. That is that that's that's bringing back some memories. I do remember remember that the the other bit of evidence to maybe throw in this in this circle also is that the the herald that we've seen Talonel very specifically is mentioned as having dark eyes. Correct. And so there there's also that to consider. So it's not like, you know, light eyes are descendant of the heralds, although I think they definitely it could maybe be something like you're talking about Paul that was, you know, just shardbearers had light eyes and so that's maybe where all this started or something like that, but yeah. Not really sure, but this this whole idea with Moash's eyes getting lighter has got me thinking through some of this true and the only other thing that i just thought of about this from what we've seen it shows light eyes in a sense that they're kind of like corrupt corrupted maybe by greed or selfish desire dark eyes are like they've never been portrayed as perfect but they seem more like reasonable or maybe honorable definitely like there's lots of bad on both sides but it makes me think that the light eyes origin could also be with what i was saying that they were the original knights radiant and started that way because they all kind of maybe went back on their oath and things and that's how all that the spren were bonds were broken and things like that and maybe that's just kind of a testament of character kind of the descendants coming from that line of maybe like an unon like not honorable group if you think that so if you were to ask kaladin i think he would that's what he would say (laughs) that all the all the dark eyes are the the honest good working class and then the light eyes are the dishonorable snobby upper class that don't deserve anything yes kaladin approves of this message yes (laughs) we have we have some, a banter scene between Shalon, Adolin, and Kaladin. Uh, Kaladin calls Adolin obnoxious to his face, and Adolin doesn't understand what he's saying, so he thinks it's a compliment. Uh, Shalon kind of kind of chides him for that, and then they all fall in the chasm, um, and that leads us to chapter chapter sixty nine. Either of you want to talk about anything else in chapter sixty eight before we jump into sixty nine? All right, I think for the rest of this chapter and all of next week, little minor spoilers, I'm going to be using the word banter quite a bit. Um, so, because uh, there's some there's some very quality dialogue in in these in these chapters coming up uh, next week um, from Brandon Sanderson. So, uh, chapter sixty nine, Kaladin and Shalon fall into a chasm. And they wake up next to each other. Shalon kind of walks around the corner. And Kaladin immediately assumes, oh, I must have saved Shalon somehow. 
And Shallan, when we get to her point of view later in the chapter, she's like, I guess I saved Kaladin somehow. So both of them are assuming that they saved the other. Uh, we know, or I guess we are assuming that we know that they each saved themselves with their Stormlight. Kaladin's having some trouble, though, after this. And we've got some interesting uh, tidbits in here. Did either of you want to pick this up? So I'm trying to figure out what exactly happened with Kaladin as he's falling through the air. Because I feel like this is really important. This seems to be the moment that perhaps something terrible happens to Syl. As, as he's falling, he's trying to suck in Stormlight. He's trying to save himself. He knows that's my only way to survive is if I can get some some Stormlight in my body. He can't get it. He can't get it. He can't get it. And then he does get it. But he hears Syl scream this terrible it, the, the book even says that vibrated Kaladin's very bones. And then he hits the ground and, and survives. And so that like two sentences, I, I feel like are really important. Like what just happened there? Did he just like force Syl to give him Stormlight when he didn't deserve it? Or when he, you know, Syl wasn't willing to give it? Is that the act that, that finally sill or like i'm not really sure i'm not quite sure how to process exactly what just happened here but it's definitely bad right i i do want to point out that i noticed that sill does not show up for the rest of this chapter this just kind of you know he's very worried but he's not like super worried just yet by the end of this chapter he still is just kind of you know oh still does kind of disappears and sometimes she comes back and he's kind of you know calling out for her trying to talk to her at some point but i i was very closely looking for you know please still come back and talk to him and she doesn't by the end of this chapter at least we have not heard anything from sill which seems again bad very bad yeah paul rest rest in peace (laughs) better not be um yeah so i guess i didn't think that much about sill or the sill scream when they're falling um so kind of i guess moving on a little bit from that just over this chapter as a whole, I'm curious to see what happens here. Um, Kaladin and Shalon don't really like each other and stuff, but um, this was kind of a cliffhanger chapter almost. Like they fall into is there a pun intended there? And... Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they fall into this, and so now they kind of stuck together. There were other people on the bridge, right? And they kind of all died, which was very sad. But I, we're taking that as just like they they check the bodies and stuff and make sure it's not like Adolin or anyone like 
right correct yeah of of like high power um but yeah it was honestly very sad i'm curious like someone basically cut the bridge right yep like that's the understanding that there's like a emergency like lever or something and i'm honestly more curious to know what happened there because it doesn't say anything about that does it it's just like oops the bridge fell like there's a there's a couple interesting lines that at the beginning at the end of chapter 68 and the beginning of chapter 69 um the kaladin's hearing horns the the battle horns the parshendi are attacking them at the same moment that one of uh we're assuming um sadius's uh inside uh, uh sadius's spy because kaladin recognizes the engineer who pulls the emergency switch as somebody who's in Sadius's war camp. And uh, so as he's running to save uh, Dalinar and Adolin turns um, and like tackles Dalinar off the bridge um, as the levers pulled and Shallan and Kaladin fall. Um, but at the same moment, they're getting attacked by Parshendi. So is that a coincidence? What's, what's that about? Yeah, really not sure what that's about either, because as far as we know, the Parshendi aren't going on bridge runs anymore, right? They're Correct. not contesting the the Alethi for the Gem Hearts anymore. So was this a coordinated thing somehow where the bridges dropped and the Parshendi attack at the same time? Or is this just kind of random chance that they just kind of venture through Parshendi territory and the Parshendi decide, oh, might as well get them. And it just kind of happens at the same time. And not sure. But why are the Parshendi there in the first place? They're not even a get after a gem heart. Uh, Shallan's just right. out out that far to get a sketch of a chrysalis that doesn't have a gem heart in it anymore. So what are the Parshendi doing there? Good question. I was kind of sad that it makes the detail that whoever pulled the lever is recognizable from Sadius's camp because I honestly had kind of the theory that maybe Moash pulled it. <laughs> Even though I don't think he's there, but I, my guess was going to be Moash pulled it because... Even though Kaladin has agreed to work with him, he doesn't want anyone knowing of his plans. I wanted to, like, oopsie, like... Do you think Moash would backstab Kaladin? I think that would be a very crazy twist, and that's why I'm going out on the limb. But, yeah, it, I think it does meet that description that it was, like, someone from Sadius's camp. So it's probably just a Sadius, like, scheme again. Right. Um, I think so, yeah. But that was honestly where my mind went, because I'm expecting some big plot twist as we come up to the end of Part 4. Part 4 is usually a pretty wild ride, or at least it was in the Way of Kings, so... Right. I'm expecting something kind of big going forward. We still got like five chapters yet for your twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kaladin and Shalon are at the bottom of the chasm. They start walking back, and that's kind of where we end. Uh, any any closing thoughts for 69 or the whole episode here? Just the 
irony of their situation now, the two people that maybe hate each other. I want to say hate each other the most because Kaladin does hate some other particular light eyes a lot more than Shallan, but mm -hmm. the, the two that have definitely uh, butt heads quite a bit in the, the past are now going to have to rely on each other to survive, so we could be in for some entertaining uh, reading up ahead. Right. Very true. Anything else? That's it. Alrighty. We can end here and we can reconvene for the end of part four next uh, next week. Thanks for joining me this week, Paul and Elliot. Alright, let's do it. Toodles. <laughs>